Hey, this is Anna Musco podcast, where we explore the beginning, middle, and end of all things outdoor adventure. I'm Jim. I'm an avid backpacker, hiker, and overall outdoor enthusiast, and I live in Reno, Nevada. I'm Holly. I own a strength gym in Oakland. I'm a coach and a weightlifter, and I charge it across the valley whenever I can to hike, backpack, dive, and generally explore and play as much as I can. And on this podcast, we're going to try to break down some of the barriers that keep people from enjoying the backcountry. All right, welcome to the new podcast, And I Must Go. Um, I am Holly, and... And I am Jim. And do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're recording this podcast? Sure. Uh, I am an avid hiker and backpacker and have been since I was a little kid. And I just kind of want to be able to have an avenue to share the knowledge that I've gained over years and years in the backcountry. And you? Yeah. Uh, so I've been hiking and backpacking since... I literally can't remember the first time I, I went out on a trail. So that's pretty much my whole life. And I really wanted an opportunity to, you know, talk about adventure, talk about wilderness and invite folks in and talk about, you know, what we do out there. Uh, so that's why I'm doing it. And going outside is just my favorite thing in the whole world. So I get to talk about that, which is, you know, what I get out of it. Yeah. And I think we want to touch too on behaviors in the backcountry and how to recreate responsibly and how to <laughs> respect the spaces that we're visiting um, and and really help others learn from mistakes that we've made. And I know I've made a ton. And, oh my gosh, right? And, and, oh yeah. Like even to the point where I've like put my life in danger and I would like for new hikers to not have to experience that. And so if they can learn from some of the incredibly stupid things that I've done and not do them <laughs> themselves. Uh, I, I think then we will call this podcast a success. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, a little bit about me. I own a gym in Oakland uh, and I'm a coach and I'll talk more about me in a second, but I always talk about how I am a good coach because I have uh, messed up more than anybody I have made every mistake. And so uh, you could hire me as a professional to make it so you don't have to do those mistakes. <laughs> um, and I think that that's a really good thing to strive for here. Like when you just kind of bop your way around in wild spaces, you make mistakes, you do stupid stuff. And fortunately, neither of us have died. Um, neither of us have had like experiences where we lost, uh, lost capability which is good. You know, we didn't lose any limbs or hands or smashed like knees or anything like that. Um, I've come close. Yes, you've times, come closer but... <laughs> than me, unfortunately. And we'll get to that story, I'm sure. Um, but uh, but as a result, like we, we live to tell the tale and uh, hopefully we can invite folks in and keep them from, you know, making the same mistakes or maybe just help them figure out their way out of the mistakes that they make. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I have been going into the backcountry for so I mean my first camping trip I was months old my parents took us out we didn't even have a tent we slept on the ground in like one of those old school double sleeping bags I love this so much and 
you know, so when I when I got into solo backpacking and and taking trips on my own, there wasn't a ton of podcasts on the subject. There wasn't a ton of YouTube videos on the subject. So you just kind of, you know, you read books and and you go out and you do the thing. And, you know, my first solo backpacking trip, I would guess my pack was probably around 65 pounds. Oh my gosh, the weight I have carried. <laughs> oh. I, I literally took, I, I took like a change of clothes for every day on my first trip because I just didn't know any better. Right. And now it's like, now it's like I, my base weight for my pack and I'm not an ultralight hiker and I'm not an ounce counter by any stretch, but like my base weight now is like 11 pounds. That's incredible. Get out of here. You are definitely yeah. a hiker. You are way well, well set up. Yeah. And it's, like I do it. So this is probably a good story to start with, because I think it gives a really good feel for where I'm at as a backpacker. Uh, two years ago now, and I, I keep wanting to say one year because we lost like a whole year to the pandemic. Yeah. 2020 was, was the forgotten year. Yeah. And this was definitely not 2020. This, this happened in 2019. I attempted for the second time to through hike the entirety of the Tahoe Rim Trail, which is a 170-ish mile trip uh, loop around the literal rim of the Tahoe Basin. Right. And my pack weight, when I left, the, the plan was to do it in nine days. Okay. So I was going to average 20 miles a day, give or take. Okay. And my pack weight on day one with full food and water was 21 pounds. That's incredible. For, for nine days. That's incredible. Um, I had, and I only had two resupply appointments set up. Oh shoot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was Even basically, incredible. I was basically carrying everything. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't make it again, both, both times I've tried to through hike the Tahoe rim trail. I've been shut down due to a left ankle injury. Shoot. How far did you get? The, the first time was eight days and I made it to the exact halfway point. God damn. That's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, the second time, the 2019 trip, I made it, I think just over 70 miles. I'd have to map it out to give you an exact answer, but I think it was just over 70 miles. And what happened was at Lake Aloha, I was looking at the weather apps and, and trying to plan for the next day. And there was a big rainstorm coming in the next day. And so I had to get over Dick's Peak, which is one of the highest points and maybe even the highest point on the rim trail before the thunder and lightning started. Of course. Which I did successfully. And when I got down to the other side into- Wait, like wait, the... can, you can you pause the story? Yeah. Why do you not want to do it in thunder and lightning? Oh, because you'll die. Okay, you'll get hit by die. lightning. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, yeah, lightning strikes are a terrible thing and they happen not super regularly, but enough that you should worry about it. Right. And when you get high, the trees get smaller or you get above the tree line and you have no trees. Yeah. And, and then you're, you're like the highest thing. Water filled creature without <laughs> anything else for lightning strikes to hit. It's kind of fucking dangerous. Right. Um, so I did it. I got over the summit and I got down to the other side, down into the Dick's Lake Basin and it started snowing no. in September. 
like a lot. And so I just trudged along and I was not prepared for snow. But I want to make that very, very clear. I was prepared for rain. Yes. I had rain gear um, and had shit for snow gear. And it was getting oh, that's bad. That's crazy. Right. And uh, I, it, it ended up like towards the end of the day, I was like tromping through six to eight inches of snow in like my in like my trail runners and shorts um i slipped and i fell and i ruptured my achilles tendon so i had to call it and go home yeah um but that's one of those things where you have to expect the unexpected and i and i forgot that i forgot that rule yeah but that's a hard one right because you have to balance you can't prepare for everything. Otherwise your pack will be a million pounds and you'll have a bunch of stuff you don't need. And it's like annoying and uh, cumbersome, but like if you underpack, you end up trudging through the snow in your shorts. And so it's like, well, and things are predictable in the backcountry, or sorry, unpredictable, not predictable. Completely unpredictable. But I think like at the very least, like I could have carried some thermal base layers. Okay. Okay. Like I'm in, the Sierra adjacent in September. Like I kind of should have known better. Okay. Okay. Um, But I didn't. And, and it ended badly. Um, But I think that that's, that's one of those things where, like you say, you can't predict everything. You can't plan for every eventuality. Right. Um, And, and sometimes the backcountry wins. That's true. Like it just, And you, there's nothing you can do about it. Mother Nature is an unstoppable force. And it's sometimes... One of, it's one of just, the things that I love about it, though. Oh, yeah. There's definitely, I think, that that unpredictable nature of it. And even to, to a degree, that unexpected danger that is so enticing. Because you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And there's a trusting of yourself that is uh, implicit in it. Um, but like, I, I genuinely love that your experience is always different. Sometimes scary, sometimes dangerous, sometimes boring, sometimes painful, sometimes way too many mosquitoes. That's just its own thing. I think it like should go in the same category as pain. Um, that's an experience. Um, but like that unpredictability is one of the reasons that a lot of people don't go. Right. And that like fear of like, what's going to happen. It is a lot of the reasons that you don't go. And one of the things that I think you get out of uh, uh, going into the backcountry and going into the wilderness, especially for as long as you do, is the self-reliance, right? Like when you slip, you rupture your Achilles tendon, you're in the freaking snow, you're in shorts and you make it out and you go home and you eat dinner and you're safe again, you realize that you can make it out. And every time you do that, you learn. Well, and I think that ties into your strength training as well, because, you know, I have, I have flirted with strength training. I definitely don't have anywhere near the experience with it that you do, but there's definitely a Absolutely. self-reliance and there. And there's when, crossover there, right? Looking like, at a barbell there's crossover in the being comfortable in the uncomfortable with the trusting yourself to do scary things that you've never done before and tackling challenges. And, and like the overlap is that, if I walk up to a barbell that I've never lifted that weight before and I lift it, 
it gives me uh, the, the empowered feeling to go out and tackle a trail or a summit that I've never ta taken on. And then vice versa, right? So like, it's cool because for me, it's like this microcosm that's safer and, and I can like build my confidence to believe in myself and my ability to do hard things. And then that transfers to adventures. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's funny to think about kind of the parallels. I mean, between I, our I'm two literally worlds, above my gym know, right now. <laughs> I, I don't spend a ton of time in the gym. You spend almost all your time in the gym. Right. Right. But I spend a ton of time in the backcountry, probably more than most people I know. And I, I think where, especially a lot of beginners get into trouble, and I know that this caused right. me to get into trouble early on is not allowing yourself to fail. And, and I think that there's a mental block a lot of people have that translates to, to everything in life, but we'll focus on weight training and, and, and hiking for the moment. But you oh, I have love to that you just made that connection because that that's absolutely is true. An option and, and honestly, a learning like experience. The uh, the skill, the skill of failing, right? Because if you're if you're failing um, on a through hike and you don't call it in time that could be dangerous and same thing with lifting right and it's like it's it's a really cool parallel but like that's why i say it's a safer environment for me right like because if i fail a clean and jerk i just drop the bar on the ground there's not really a lot in there that's that's actually scary it feels scary but if i fail it's a safe environment i'm still in my gym i'm still with my athletes i still like drop the barbell on the ground it's fine and like it's been a cool thing for me because like when i first got into strength training Honestly, this is this is funny. I've never really put these two together. But when I first got into strength training, I was in a place where I needed to rebuild my ability to trust that if I failed, I could stand back up and be okay. And when I got into going back into backpacking, I needed that same thing. I needed to reassure myself that like I could go do scary, dangerous things and come back and be safe. And like that I would get out of those things and I could trust myself to get out of those things. And that self-reliance is hard. It's hard to build. It is. And it's, I think it's hard to apply. Like I know through experience that right. if shit goes sideways in the back country, I can get myself out successfully. I have felt more scared. Oh, well, so it's like opposite again, opposite than I have okay. getting lost or getting injured in the back country. And it's, Yeah. I mean, I, I especially with okay. overhead movements. Like I'm terrible at any of the jerk. I mean, it's above your head. It's lifts. pretty scary. <laughs> uh, anything, anything overhead just scares the crap out of me. Yeah, but right. it, it's funny to hear you say, you know, oh, I know that all I have to do is is drop the barbell <laughs> and then try again. Because for me, it's just like if I don't get this over my head, this I'm going to die. Right. But but if I fall in the backcountry, which, which I have a couple of times and, and had to uh, facilitate my own rescue. Um, I am, I'm more in control in that Shoot. situation okay, okay, okay. than I, like I am that. halfway um, through a I clean really injury like realizing it's not going to happen. Or overlapping opposite parallel kind of vibe. Um, as a side note, I got foiled at Lake to, I was supposed to be at Lake Aloha on Wednesday 
which was like four days ago. And I got, I got foiled. I wasn't able to do it. And so you were like, and I was at Lake Aloha and I was like, okay. dang it, I need to get to that freaking lake. Um, okay. So I didn't get foiled so which, getting which, in. Uh, I got foiled which way because did you try to get of in? irresponsibility. There's, there's a couple so full of transparency, different I didn't start the hike. Um, I will get there. Um, so there's some, there's some backstory. Is that okay? okay. Okay, so I've recently, um, in February, I went to Honduras and I yeah, had the it. experience of learning to free dive and that like changed my world, right? I had access to a wilderness I'd never had access to before. Um, I realized that I am 35, but I had never touched really the ocean past my knees until I was uh, like late 20s. Um, I definitely never swam in the ocean until my early 30s, and I never swam in the ocean where I couldn't explicitly see and possibly touch the bottom until Honduras, February of this, uh, of 2021. Um, and so learning to, to trust myself in that world, which is a totally different world where you hold your breath and you go really deep underwater. And at one point I was more than six stories underwater. And my instructor was like really excited that I had made it and pointed up. And that was one of the most terrifying moments of my life where I like, was like in this Zen moment. And then I looked up and I was like, oh my god there are six stories of ocean above me what have I done <laughs> but then I got to the top and I was fine you know um so I learned absolutely and so you're no. um, can I interject real quick absolutely not so you're, you're free diving if there's, there's no tank yes, there's yeah, no free diving is completely oxygen on your supply um, the you're definition just like of free diving completely is on your own under the water part. with no apparatus right yeah it was it was really scary and that's terrifying uh, my biggest that, remaining that is thing fear, i don't know that um, I could do. is of the ocean or was of the ocean um so i went to honduras i learned how to free dive two days instructor was amazing um i have a four minute breath hold now it was incredible um and then i come back to northern california where diving into the ocean is not really something that people do there are surfers but like the riptides are gnarly, it's cold, there's sharks, there's jellyfish. It's not like a friendly place, right? It's not Hawaii. Um, and so I go, but there's all these beautiful lakes and I definitely wanna see what's underneath them. So why don't I take my new love of freediving the ocean and I squish it together with my desperate love of alpine lakes and mountains, right? Um, and so that began me trying to start to freedive all of these uh, mountain lakes. So I decide that um, I'm going to do this and we go and we do Kibby Lake, which I did recently. I posted about it. Um, and Kibby Lake is one of a, a thing that's gonna come up in future discussions as well. It's my favorite lake of all time. It's also the first one I remember going to. So it was of course the first one I wanted to free dive. And it's about a 13 mile hike round trip. Um, so we go up there, we free dive it. It's amazing. There's a lot of differences between free diving in freshwater at altitude um, and at, in the ocean. But let me get back to Lake Aloha before I get too far on the free diving tip. Um, when we free dive that, it was amazing, but there was silt and not a lot of fish. And I realized a lot of things. I want big rock. I want granite. I want little islands. I want lots of weird little things to explore under the water, right? Um, and maybe even granite island things I can dive under. Uh, and I found Lake Loha and I was like, this lake looks perfect. It's like, what, a 17, 18 mile hike from the trailhead? Or maybe you have a magical other way I don't know about. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, so it depends on which trailhead you go through. You can start at Echo Lakes, and that it's a fairly easy. I mean, it's a lot of up and a lot of like granite stairs, but it's not okay. It, it's not a hike that I would categorize as difficult. Um, you can go <laughs> in over. Okay. I'm going to lose the name of the summit right now. I I, I think it's Talak. You can go up to the summit of Talak and go down. And that is just <laughs> that that hike is a kick in the dick. That's the only way I can describe it. Like that is getting up there is rough. And then when you get up there and you're looking down to where like Aloha is, you're like, I don't, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, or you can come in oh, through no. the okay. Dick's Lake, Velma Lake side, but then you have to actually summit Dick's Peak and drop back down yeah so the the echo okay. lakes route is the by far the easiest and most accessible route um i think you have to get a permit for that because Ooh, it's, it's okay. in desolation so we're gonna start regulation I'm, stuff I'm like occasionally and we'll discover sure that so much less than jim um, um <laughs> like i thought that you only needed a wilderness permit if you were staying overnight Okay. With desolation, there are certain right. areas where you have to have a day use permit. Usually they're self-issued at the trailhead. You just fill out your information. Uh, I am one of those rare backcountry hikers who is oh a gosh, big right? proponent of permitting. I think the system itself needs a massive overhaul um, because it's, it's, it's unnecessarily difficult and that difficulty leads to it being somewhat exclusionary, which is something maybe we can dive into in another episode. Um, however, I'm a fan of permitting. I think it helps with minimizing human impact on the spaces we visit. Yeah. And I think it helps with search and rescue operations when they're necessary. Because you have a written record. Okay, this is when this person entered this area. This is the area they were planning on hiking to. This is when they were planning on leaving. These, this is information we know from the person we're looking for. Um, so I'm a big fan of the idea of permitting. It's kind of a disaster, honestly. The um, system as it stands. And I totally agree with you. And to build on that, I actually help. also think it's important for accountability. Yeah. Um, but especially as you've written extensively about, which I really appreciate, uh, as the fire situation grows more and more in the mountains, I think it becomes even more important for there to be accountability around uh, people interacting with the wilderness and possibly lighting fires. And there also needs to be uh, the ability to know where people are if they're in a dangerous situation that they are not capable of getting themselves out of, such as a fast-moving fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, back to the original point where we started. I'm going on a bit of a tangent there. Uh, Echo Lakes is the way to get into Aloha, especially if you're planning a day trip. Echo Lakes is, is your trailhead. I think that there's only one on all trails. And so I think it's probably that one. It didn't look like a horrifying hike. At one point it says it's like 32% grade. And I was like, whoa, that's hectic. Um, but besides that, like it didn't seem like anything other than long and pretty steep, pretty normal, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, I walked it on, on my last Tahoe Rim Trail trip. I walked that section after having already walked 18 miles 
from where I had camped the night before. So like Echo Lakes was my break. Oh, I, 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 I hung out there for like an hour and then worked my way up to Aloha. So it's not, and it, difficult is obviously subjective, but right. I think starting, starting at Echo Lakes is, is not a wildly difficult hike for most people. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was planning on doing it as a day hike with a free diving trip in between. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but I got foiled because, um, it turns out I have a dog and, um, dogs have to be cared for if you leave to go do things. Um, and my dog happens to be 16 years old. And so she's not going to go with me anywhere. And the hike was not such that I had the desire to carry, um, a chunky dog up all of those steps. Like I'm down to do that hike, but I don't want to carry her and she doesn't want to get carried. So, um, because I was irresponsible, I didn't think about it a couple until a couple hours beforehand. And all of my last minute people were like, I can't watch her. Um, and so we actually ended up not trying for Lake Aloha. We ended up diving, um, Lake Tahoe and trying out paddleboarding, which I'm now obsessed with paddleboarding and I'm going to start free diving out of the bottom of a paddleboard. Um, oh, exciting. Yeah, so a lot of freedivers uh, drop a, a dive weight and a rope, and then you climb down the rope to get down, and that's how you can get like really deep. Um, and uh, and it's also how you stay safe because if you get really deep, you always have a way definitely to get back to the surface. Um, and uh, I think that you can throw a dive line off of a paddleboard, and so we were trying that in Tahoe. So that was oh, my, that was a super long story just to get to the point that I dove Tahoe instead of Lake Aloha. But like, oh my God, you're like going to all these lakes that I really, really, really want to go to. So I want to break it down a little bit and talk about, uh, you know, why I'm always longing after the places that you're going. And that largely has to do with the fact that I'm in Oakland, um, which is three hours away from Tahoe, should there not be traffic. Right. And I'm in Reno, so I can basically throw a rock in any compass direction and find a trailhead. Yes. Which so. is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. We did, uh, we did that, um, Mount Rose hike and you were like, yeah, I got here in 40 minutes. And I was just like, F you, man. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, we've hiked together a couple of times now. We did the, we did the Mount Rose summit as a day hike. Right. We did Loch Levin. And we did the Loch Levin as an overnight trip. Right. Um, and that one actually it was kind of funny because you mentioned carrying your dog because you had to carry your dog yeah, that was on the, the way out of that, that trip. Was yeah, last backpacking trip. Um, because uh, that was that was a lot of things all at once. Though she ate a protein bar that had chocolate in it um, on the way there, and it didn't seem like it was going to be too much. But who knows with old dogs? And then it was really hot, and she had some kind of an injury. But oh man, did she look like she won the the adventure when she was sitting in the in my pack sitting on the top of your pack? Yeah. So that I actually want to dive into that trip a little bit because it was I I know it wasn't like your first ever backpacking trip, but I feel right. like it was your first overnight trip in kind of a long while. It was, it was, it was kind of um, my I'm gonna start charging it in the mountains by myself previously um so the reason i was backpacking when i was a tiny tiny baby was obviously because my parents are wild mountain people um and uh and this is definitely something that we'll come back to because it's like a lot of the reason why i travel in the places that i travel um but uh i largely have not done a lot of backpacking um myself up until um that trip 
So that was the me deciding that I wasn't going to wait for my parents or my brother or my family to come with me, that I could go on my own, which isn't true. Actually, I went with you. <laughs> so I'm going to build my solo hiking in a group. Right. Well, I, I think that that I usually recommend that people who want to get into solo backpacking start in groups. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and it was Ed's first backpacking trip ever. Right. Um, and my friends Shara and Dee came with us, and I think it was Dee's first backpacking trip. Right. Um, Shara had been going, you know, for years and years with her family. But I think I'm pretty sure that that was Dee's first time. Okay. Um, what struck me about that trip, and, and it strikes me often, because I... I I take a lot of first time backpackers out. It's, it's one of the ways that I like to help give back to the hiking community is, you know, I'll take first time backpackers out and help them kind of navigate the, the adventure that is backpacking. Totally. Um, One of the things I didn't do with you that I do typically with other backpackers is I'll do like a pack shakedown where I'm just like, yo, okay, you don't need this you need this thing that you don't have don't you don't want to carry this uh this works this this will be fine you know and we didn't do that we didn't get an opportunity no, to do didn't. that and i also let ed of first oh, so by the way ed is um my ex-partner and uh he was on this trip so um i for some obscure reason that is still a mystery to me i was like no you just put that food in the pack and then we got there and i think we had seven apples you had a lot of like fresh fruit and vegetables, which, um, but you also had, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in my, my memory of this trip, you had like an old school, like external frame backpack. I still do. Okay. Yeah. I still um, do. Um, and, I have... and you, and you carried a tent for your dog. Yeah. Like no, a dogs, separate dogs, dogs for your dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also a pack shakedown wouldn't have helped that. I did that with a hundred percent intention. I also, okay. <laughs> I also had a three person tent, um, from like 1992. Yeah. That tent was heavy. That I... tent was fucking heavy. Okay. So, uh, I have since replaced all of these things and the dog tent is now, um, my niece's tent for backyard camping, um, okay. which is perfect. Uh, so, okay. So why did I do all of these things? Uh, I did not mean to carry seven apples. That was not intentional. And I should have checked my pack more. Full transparency there. Um, but I think this is an, it, it, an important point because uh, one of the things that, that drives me crazy about outdoor adventures is this concept that you have to have the best shit to go. And like, why did I have an external frame? Well, that pack was actually bought for me. That was the first and only pack I had ever used up until that point. Um, and I didn't have the money to replace it. I didn't have money to replace any of my shit. It's all just stuff that was given to me from other people, but I did recently replace all of it. And so now I understand how much more it actually was, which is amazing. So I have this beautiful, all mesh, super hyper light, amazing tent now. And of course it was like $350 or something um, straight off the floor of REI. But that, um, that tent that I carried on that trip, I think I dropped, uh, I think I dropped nine almost nine pounds by upgrading my tent just the nine, tent. nine in just my tent 
Um, and my sleeping bag is now a quarter of the weight that it was. So I'm super happy that you mentioned that that's just what you had, because I, I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks for new hikers is that either they, you know, they, they'll watch a YouTube video or watch a series of YouTube videos. And I know I'm guilty of this on my YouTube channel because I've been doing this so long. Exactly. Really cool shit. Right. Um, I didn't start with any of that. And well, let's circle back to the story of your first time, right? You, the first right. time you ever went out, you slept on the fucking ground in a, in, in a double wide with your parents. And, and that's, that was fine. That was a great experience. Right. Now I didn't have a lot of choice things. I was like three months old, right. but, but the, the point stands right. that to get started in backpacking, take what you have or yeah. what you can afford. Right. Like if you need to get a target backpack or a target sleeping bag or, or whatever, is- like just get that stuff. Cause you're going to replace it a hundred times over. Like Absolutely. I, I just last week bought my fifth backpacking tent. I've oh, been solo cool. backpacking since I was uh, my first actual, like legit solo backpacking trip was in 2012. Okay. And I've upgraded my tent now five times right. since 2012. Right. And every time I buy a new tent, I'm like, this is the one, this is the last one I'll ever need. Right. And then next year, something cooler comes out. Right. So, or your needs change. Or your needs change. And that, that was the primary decision making factor in this tent change was that for the last two or three years, I think three years, I'd been hiking with this single wall, single person, single trekking pole tent. Um, It was just enough room if I sat perfectly centered in the middle at the peak of the tent where I could sit up straight. I'm a bigger guy. I'm I'm six feet tall. I'm around 230 pounds. So I'm kind of a big dude. Um, And I had this tiny little ridiculous tent because it weighed a pound. Right. And that was for me when I bought the tent, I'm like, yo, this only weighs a pound. Right. And I'm doing this nine day through hike. The packs, the, you know, the, the tent's going to spend 90% of its existence on my back. So the weight is the most important thing. Right. And now my needs have changed because I'm hiking all year. I don't take, there isn't an off season for me. And I spend a lot of time riding out storms right. in my tent. Right. And comfort in my shelter became more important than the comfort of my shelter while it was on my back. Right. Um, So yeah, if you want to start backpacking, get the things you can afford, borrow stuff, buy used gear, because you're, you're not going to use that stuff forever. You're going to replace it. And you learned that like, I mean, you, you went on this trip with me with what you had and you had a wonderful time. That wasn't the last trip that I took with that gear either. Right. I've and, used but, that gear before. I've used that gear since. It's just that I I got older, made more money, and decided to invest more in my outdoor gear. But like the point is that like my 1992 tent, my seven apples, and my oldest fuck dog, and my external frame Kelty situation that was bought in probably 88. Um Took me up a mountain with my friends, gave me a great experience. I got to a cool lake. Uh, everybody had a cool day and time and we got back and it was fine. So like, that's the thing is like these, these YouTubers like you and so many others that are like out there putting out information, like it's easy to forget that 
the, you don't start YouTubing on your first freaking trip, right? You start YouTubing on the trips that you feel confident on and you want to share with other people. And so you don't see people's like ugly trips and stumbles where, you know, you, uh, my parents only uh, backpacked in jeans. They also only skied in jeans and only did snow things in jeans. Why did they do that? Because they only owned one pair of jeans. They could, didn't have Patagonia pants with the zip off thing. Now they do. But it doesn't mean that those adventures were any less valuable and they wouldn't have gone if they had felt like they had to have gear. And so like, I think it's like, like really cool to be like, you know what I did? My pack was probably like 30 pounds. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was maybe more than that. It definitely was because my, my dog is like 22 pounds at the time. Um, so like it might've been a 50 pound pack, but also I lift weights for fun. So fuck it. Um, right. And the point is that it was still a good time, right? Like you don't need to go to REI and spend $6,000 to get like all the cool Gucci stuff. If you can, neat. I also don't recommend that. If you want the really cool stuff, Poshmark is really, really awesome. Um, and I've gotten some cool stuff from Craigslist too. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people view gear as a roadblock to getting started. And I and I, I really want to emphasize that the gear you have is good enough. Right. And because you're not, most people anyway, I know some people do and, and post-pandemic, a lot more people are right. doing like these 2,000 mile through hikes as their first hike. Right. <laughs> I don't recommend that. I mean, if you can do that and you can and you can crank out the PCT as your first hike, more power to you. Like There's I that are like, I bought a pair of shoes and I went to the PCT and I'm like, oh man, that sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to do that. Like most places, most states that I've visited at least have at least some kind of a trail. Right. You know, whether it's a day hiking trail or or trail that leads to like an established campground or something like that and so you don't have to you don't have to be like this through hiker you don't even have to have the desire to be a through hiker you can just go and and hike with whatever stuff you have and and still have a good time like still have a great time right and I'd, I'd like to break down a lot of those barriers that keep people from getting out on their first hike and I think I, and I think that that YouTube's a wonderful resource. I'm I'm addicted to it myself. I watch I watch so much YouTube; it's insane. But I also recognize that a lot of the people, myself included, who make these YouTube videos, have a level of privilege that not everybody has. And so I try to present my trips in a way that make them more accessible to people who may not have access to the gear that I have now, because I didn't always have access to it. Right, 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 right. Um, Okay. So I, I love this as a segue also, because one of the things that is different between us is that a lot of my day-to-day hiking is not backpacking. And it's also not in the backcountry. It's in the hills of Oakland. Whereas you get these more epic hikes more often because of proximity, but like, your first hike doesn't have to be an epic wilderness backpacking trip and you might not even need any gear. Like I'm, I'm overly confident to a point which will probably get me in trouble at some point, but like (laughs) I've done pretty serious long hikes with um, a water bottle, a couple of bars, some short shorts and a mesh shirt. And it was fine. Right. And like, 
I don't recommend that you do that in a lot of backcountry because sometimes it snows on you and that would be very uncomfortable. Um, but like for me, I can do a 10 mile hike and I'm still in Marin, California, right? I know it's not going to snow on me here. I know that it's fine, right? So like your first hike can be a two miler somewhere near you. And then your next one can be a five miler. And then your next one could be an eight miler. And then maybe you have the confidence to get confidence to get a back on your back. And maybe your next one is an eight miler and the end is a cool lake and you put a tent down. It doesn't have to be super serious in the beginning. Exactly. And I actually recommend um, it not being super serious in the beginning. Like when I first started solo hiking, my, my very first choice as my very first all by myself hike was the desolation wilderness. Oh, wow. That was the thing I decided. That was the place I was going to go by myself. Okay, where'd you go? So I started at uh, Echo Lakes, like we talked. Okay. And I went up into Aloha over Mosquito Pass and camped at Susie Lake, which is okay. this gorgeous little alpine lake. Um, it, it's probably my favorite backcountry lake because the, the soil all around it, just from years of... of trees decomposing the soil all around it is like this deep deep red Ooh. and as the lake rises and falls you know depending on the snow year sometimes like the edge of the water of the lake will be that red so you get this cool like red to deep alpine blue like it's it's a gorgeous oh, like you have okay. the opportunity to get there okay you should go there there's bears there <laughs> desolation is known for bears too yeah y'all are in and, california be aware desolation is especially big on bears and so my very first by myself trip ever I'm oh like, no oh no, cool i'm gonna go hike to susie lake <laughs> i saw a picture of it and that's where i'm gonna go and i didn't sleep i didn't see a bear and like okay, this okay. this this may come as a surprise to you with the amount of time i spend in the backcountry, especially in the Sierra Nevadas. Right. I've never seen a bear. Ooh, I've had bear encounters in Alaska, backpacking in Alaska, and backpacking in the Sierras. Everyone I know has a bear story. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. I don't have a bear story because I've never seen a fucking bear. <laughs> um, but I was convinced on this trip, sitting alone in my tiny little, I, I have like this little sierra designs bivy tent that i couldn't even sit up in it was like a like a trail coffin <laughs> okay. and so i'm just sitting there in my mummy bag in my trail coffin and every noise i heard i'm like oh that's it that's the bear i'm gonna die um so i recommend for beginner hikers not to make that same mistake and to familiarize yourself with the backcountry in like kind of small doses right right and you know if you've got well i think is smart yeah, if you have like a paved trail through a park near your near your house, walk that. Yes, um, yes. Walk and that then work your way up. Yeah, and work your way up. And uh, the other thing about that trip was all all of my camping experience prior to that specific trip was like car camping. Yeah. So that's how I knew how to pack. Like that's the stuff I knew what to bring. And now I did bring. Um, a bear bag and and paracord because I read the the back of my permit and it said you you need to have these things right and I brought you know I brought all the extra stuff that you have to have for backpacking to be able to like properly bury your waste and to carry out your trash and all that good stuff right but other than that I packed like it was a car camping trip <laughs> so I'm hauling up over Dick's Peak 
you know, with 65, 70 pounds yep, on my back yep, on my yep. very first trip ever. <laughs> and it was fucking miserable. Like I got to camp and I was like, I never want to do this again. Like, I don't even want to walk out of here tomorrow. This is terrible. And, but it wasn't really like it. I felt terrible because I had too much weight on my back and, and I wasn't adequately prepared for the trip, but I definitely fell in love with it on that trip. And then my second solo backpacking trip was not intended to be a solo trip. Uh, my nephew and I decided we were going to hike the entirety of the Tahoe Rim tra- Trail together. And due to some health issues, he bailed out after the second night. And so from, from night two to night eight, which is where I ultimately had to bail uh, due to an ankle injury, I was by myself. But that was not my intent. That was supposed to be uh, a buddy trip. And... But by then I had learned so much more. So my pack was way lighter and I knew that, you know, I could carry a water filter instead of carrying all the water that I needed, you know, and you, you learn every trip teaches you something even. And I think, I think a lot of people watch a lot of these YouTube videos and there's a couple YouTubers that I really like, and maybe we'll, we'll get them. If we continue doing this as, as like a show, maybe we'll get them on the show and interview them. Uh, but there's a couple of people I like a lot because they show the bad days too. You know, I, I, I feel like a lot of outdoor influencers, you know, it's all these glamor shots of, Oh, here I am alone by this Lake. And what you don't see is the 80 people behind them waiting to take the same fucking picture. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Or so much, right. Like, uh, I'm seeing this more and more as we open up culturally to like more vulnerability and more honest like voices in social media, which I'm really enjoying. But like, you also don't talk about the other stuff because being into outdoor adventures is the art of being uh, uncomfortably comfortable with uncomfortable, comfortable, whatever. Somewhere in that space, right? Like, so you don't talk about... Um, I, like when I post a picture from the top of uh, of Mount Rose when I did that hike with you, I believe my shoes were filled with blood. Like, <laughs> right? So like I don't talk about that part because it's not it's not fun, it's not glamorous, it's not like the thing. But now I'm starting to because I think it's really important because like those things are part of the adventure, right? Like that'll forever be a part of that that particular hike is that my shoes were filled with blood and it's fine it was still a really incredible experience I was super stoked to be there and I'm glad that I did it but like there is a lot of discomfort in and it's important that everyone knows that right like you're gonna get mosquito bites you'll get sunburned you're gonna do stupid shit like try to cliff dive and then not jump far enough and scrape off the tops of your feet not from personal experience am I telling that story um (laughs) I feel on like the there's a whole trip, episode the right way, there. Yeah, on the same trip, by the way, my brother fell asleep face down in the sun and um, burned the bottoms of his feet so badly. And we had like a two-day hike out and our packs were like 65 pounds. It was so bad. It was so bad. Um, but, you know, it was also really, really incredible. So to piggyback on on your last point about being finding comfort in that discomfort, the 
the outdoor influencers, for lack of a better term, I actually hate that specific term, but everybody knows what it means. So that's what I'm going to use. <gasps> we'll keep going back to our hatred of influencer as a term. <laughs> Yeah, the, the ones that are my favorite are the ones that show the bad days, the ones that show close-ups of their ingrown toenails, the ones that show the blisters, the ones that show waking up in the morning and just kind of not wanting to hike, like maybe taking a day off, especially on like a through hike or a long trail. You know, hikers, hikers who do those trips take what are called zero days. And I think there's value in seeing someone more experienced than you who's not having a good time because as a new hiker and and especially as a new backpacker if you find yourself uncomfortable you might think well I'm not good at this this isn't something that I'm going to be good at and and I think there's a real value in seeing the people who you consider to be good at a thing struggling with the thing so that you understand that your struggle is normal and and there's value in the struggle. Yeah, no, I think that that's super important and I really like your point about you you're not failing and you're not bad at this because you're uncomfortable because you have a you have a shitty time um because something went wrong or even because you had to call it, right? Like you've called hikes, I've called hikes like Sometimes you just got to call it and it doesn't make you anything other than a person who decided to call it. That's it. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I love that, which is a perfect transition into our outro, which is what are three pieces of advice that you have for new hikers? Okay. So I like this idea a lot. So my first piece of advice for a brand new hiker is uh, keep your toenails short. And I, and I will tell you why. Uh, your toenails, especially as you're hiking downhill, are going to bounce into the front of your, if, you know, whether you're hiking in trail runners or you're hiking in full ankle coverage, hiking boots, you're going to be, just be pounding your toes into the front of that footwear. And I, I lose toenails on longer hikes, which is an awful experience. I've gotten ingrown toenails mid-trail, which is an awful experience. And a little bit of pregame maintenance will help a lot with those problems. Yes, yes. And it's I'm so tempted to piggyback on that and be like, and also this, and also this, and also this, but I'll spare you on that and just say, that's a fantastic piece of advice. Keep your toenails short. <laughs> and um, so what's your first one? Okay, so my first one is uh, be quiet and learn to listen. Um, I think one of the things that, I have gotten so much out of in uh, wilderness spaces is the the quiet and the quiet can sometimes make you uncomfortable and I think that that's an, a discomfort that we are meant to live with with uh, as being humans. I think it's important that we like take deep breaths and don't have anything else around us but birds and animals and movement through the trees and I think that a lot of us are tempted, especially in groups, to just always dialogue and always be be connected and be talking. And I think that there's a lot of value in sometimes maybe even waking up early, walking away from the group um, and taking a deep breath and listening to the quiet. Um, so that's my more poetic version of be quiet. My less poetic version is there's other people and there's other animals. And uh, if you're loud and you have stereos and stuff, it's just not nice. Well, and I think that to a large degree, I, 
I don't think most people are aware of how noisy their daily life is. Right. You know, we always have sound. There's there's traffic or television or, you know, the apps on your phone, your your text message alert. There's always some sound. We're surrounded by so much like artificial sound. It's there's a real value in appreciating the sounds of the natural world uh, away from man-made sounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So number two. So my number two, and we touched on this earlier, but I'm going to reiterate it here. Okay. Um, your first backpacking trip, I don't recommend going solo. I, I think there's a value in going with a group, even if it's a group of two, you know, if it's just you and, and your best friend or, right. or you and someone who has some experience in the backcountry, I think going out completely alone on your very first trip could result in you deciding that this isn't a hobby for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's even more important when it comes to uh, folks who feel more vulnerable. This is a conversation I've had a lot with people um, who are more femme and uh, have reached out to me and been like, how are you always outside? Aren't you scared? Right. And so it can break down the barrier of fear and it can literally make you safer to be with other people, especially if they're more experienced. And I love that it makes your experience better, but there's many different facets to how it makes your experience better too. And it, that's not to say there's not a huge value in solo hiking. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of solo hiking. But maybe not your first time. Maybe not your first time. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So what's your number two? Um, my number two is find entertainment and suffering. Um, laugh at the totally messed up thing that happens to be happening at the time. Um, find a way to be like, oh man, this sucks. Like this is a, this is a thing and it's happening and it isn't awesome. That's funny. Uh, that's been the way that I have found to make adventures more fun, no matter what. Sometimes it's straight up type three, type four, maybe even type six fun. Um, but like, I'll still be like, oh man, yeah, it's, it's, it looks like it's continuing to snow. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> um and that's like um sure has become a funny thing between my partner and I we'll just be like sure yeah sure that's happening okay sure you know my, my version of sure is because of course <laughs> every every time something bad happens I'm like because of course because of, of course. course this is the thing that's going to happen <laughs> um I think that's actually a really important point especially when you're dealing with your mental health in the backcountry, um, it's very easy to succumb to those negative thoughts and those negative feelings. And that can put you in a really bad place. And when you're alone in the wilderness, you don't want to be in a bad place. So you do kind of have to just sort of learn to appreciate the shittiness. You know, I if, 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 if it, if you end up in an unexpected snowstorm or an unexpected rainstorm or, you've taken the wrong trail and you're not at the lake you're supposed to be at. Um, it's easy to let those negative thoughts and those negative feelings overwhelm you. And then you make panic decisions right. and panic decisions in the backcountry can be fatal. So there, there is absolutely a value in learning to laugh at the absurdity of the position you've put yourself in. 
All right, number three. So my number three is don't get hung up on this, this crappy things that can happen. And this kind of piggybacks on your number two point, you know, um, you're probably going to get blisters. Don't get hung up on it. You're probably going to feel miserable walking uphill. Don't yeah. get hung up on it because a downhill part's coming and you might feel great. Like for me, even now, even with the amount of time I've spent in the backcountry and the number of hikes I've done and the number of miles I've put, like I've literally worn shoes completely out just in the backcountry. And uphill is always like type two, borderline type three fun for me. I hate walking uphill. I hate it. You saw it on the Mount Rose trip. I hate walking uphill. But how different was my attitude when we were walking downhill? Right. So just because you're miserable in the moment, don't get hung up on it because something awesome is, is on the way. You're going to have a good time momentarily. So right. just don't get hung up on the little stuff. Right. Right. I love that. And I mean, that feeds perfectly into my third and that's just go like find a way to, to start. Um, whether that's a two mile hike in the Hills that's paved, whether that's a backcountry backpacking trip with friends, like find your first step and take that first step. Even if you don't sleep the night before because you're so anxious about uh, that one story about bears in Desolation Wilderness, <laughs> whether that's whatever it is that's that's making you anxious, that's trying to hold you back from that, that fear, like it's real, things do happen. I'm not gonna say that it's everything safe and everything's gonna be amazing and wonderful and butterflies and rainbows, it's not. And we've talked a lot about that, but like find a way and take your first step, just go. Absolutely agree with that. I think 90% of the people, I'm going to be pretty conservative on this percentage, but I, I would say 90% of the people I know who just found a way to take that first step, who, who went out on a backpacking trip with substandard gear, who, who went on a trip, maybe they didn't enjoy their first trip very much, um, have all continued to visit these wild spaces and have all continued to find that balance of, of suffering and enjoyment. Um, <laughs> that is, that is backpacking. That is and, backpacking. That is outdoor adventures for fucking sure. Yeah. And I think that, that, that first step, that first leap into your first trip is the hardest one. Absolutely. And if you, if you find the way to take that first step, and then don't get hung up on the little stuff. Don't worry about being as good of a hiker as you saw this person on YouTube or, or that person you listened to on a podcast. And just, just be in the moment and do your own hike. You're going to find something about it that you enjoy and you're going to want to continue to do the hobby. And, and if you don't, okay, that's, that's information that you have. Like you went out on a hike and it wasn't for you. And now that's a thing that you know. Right. And you can go out and up uh, and find the thing that is the right fit for you. Right. Right. Absolutely. So uh, where can people find you? So people can find me and I've made this very easy. My Facebook, my Instagram and my YouTube are all lost again with Jim. No spaces, no hyphens, no any, <laughs> no tricks. One big long word lost again with Jim. Okay. All right. I love that. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Holly X resilient. Um, I do have a couple of other accounts. Uh, I do have a Holly does nature account. Um, heads up that that account is basically built so that I can just 
post pictures and not think about followers or anything else. Um, so it, uh, look for lots of close-ups of ferns uh, with no real explanation of where or why. Um, and uh, my, I have a YouTube, but my YouTube is strength training. So if you want to find me on YouTube with lots of explanations of how to do warm-ups with hip bands um, and how to get into squat positions, uh, it is the Resilient Strength, which is also my gym. So if you're interested in training with me because I just talked a bunch of shit about backcountry stuff, uh, go ahead and find me on there. It's also my website. It's also where I live. I suppose our plan moving forward is for this to be bi-monthly yes uh we're going to try to put out an episode every two weeks yes uh i want to put an emphasis on the try yes. because we are both very busy people yes um you have clients you need to train and i have mountains i need to summit so <laughs> we are going to do we're going to do our best to have two episodes a month yes Sometimes we're going to fail. Sometimes we're going to succeed. I hope anyone listening joins us on this journey. And this was great. I can't wait for the next episode. And I think, I think for the next episode, I want to have the conversation uh, because you and I have very differing opinions on this subject. Okay. I don't think a ton of strength training is needed to go backpacking. And I know you disagree with me on that. So I think that should be our next episode. I don't think a ton is needed, but I do. I am really excited about this conversation. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all.